The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. And they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. How do you always start the show? How's it going, everybody? And we are not. Uh, Brian Alvarez here, Wrestling Observer Live. Difference Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. Welcome to Talk is Jericho. It's the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And one of AEW's hottest young protégés is making his Talk is Jericho debut. After just making his first appearance on AEW Dynamite in Seattle, we're talking about Nick Wayne, the 17-year-old high school student who already has an AEW contract. And if his name sounds familiar, it might be because of his dad, the late, great regional legend, Buddy Wayne. Uh, like I said, a legend in the Pacific Northwest wrestling scene. Brian Alvarez from the Wrestling Observer Newsletter returns, and he was uh, great friends with Buddy. He trained with Buddy and worked matches with him. Buddy was pretty much his mentor. He's known Nick since he was a baby, and Brian is going to join us as well. Unfortunately, Buddy passed away when Nick was just 11 years old, but by that point, Nick already knew that he wanted to be a pro wrestler and had been getting in the ring with his dad and uh, with the students at his dad's school. Nick talks about growing up in a wrestling family on both his dad and mom's sides. His mom, Shayna, is the niece of Moondog Moretti. Nick remembers his first match at age 12, how he started working for Defy Wrestling in Seattle, who also took him to Japan and the UK already. He's 17 years old. Think about that. And when we might see him in the ring in AEW. Nick and Brian have stories about Buddy and his wrestling career and some of their favorite matches. Brian talks about the matches he worked with Buddy, how he met him in the first place, why Buddy never really got a shot at WWE or the big time, even though he was a tremendous worker. And he shares some of the great classic ribs that Buddy pulled on people. Let's get going with Nick Wayne, the teenage wonder kind, and Brian Alvarez right here on Talk is Jericho. We talk quite a bit via text, but uh, I probably haven't seen you in person probably in six or seven years no. or something. Cruise. Oh, the cruise. That's, that's right. right. Yeah. That's the last time. Um, but we're here today with Nick Wayne. Hello, sir. Hello, sir. Uh, one of the hot young upstarts uh, in wrestling today. And you are 17. Yes, sir. <laughs> and you're signed to an AEW contract. Is that correct? Yes. I signed back in February when I was 16 of last year. So what's kind of the uh, the, the specifications of the contract? Uh, so as of right now, I can't do any in-ring work with AEW until I turn 18, which will be uh, this July. So from uh, now until then, or I guess from last February until uh, July, it was just like a learning experience trying to learn TV wrestling and how AEW does things around here. 
So it's kind of like a developmental deal. They do that kind of in, in, in football or something where they, they'll sign somebody out of high school as like kind of a, I guess, a developmental deal. Is that kind of what it is? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. An apprenticeship. Apprenticeship. Yes. So you get paid? Um, not yet. Not until July. Okay. So it's more just like, uh, uh, holding your rights. Yes. For now. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And how did, how did that even happen? Um, so I didn't know any of this was going on. Uh, I did a show called defy wrestling here in mm -hmm. Seattle. And, uh, after the match, I wrestled Christopher Daniels and after the match, Darby Allen came out. I had no clue he was here or in town or anything. And, um, he did something with Daniels and then he got on the microphone. He was talking for a bit and then. He pulled a paper out of his pocket and it was the uh, AEW contract. And uh, I said yes in front of the fans and it blew up online and I was trending like number seven in the world on Twitter for uh, <laughs> for this contract. Uh, but yeah, I was like, it took me months to realize like that was even real. And like, I just felt like I was on cloud nine for ever. I still do. I still can't believe it's real sometimes. Are you still in high school? I am. Yes. Wow. So this is pretty crazy. So when I was in high school, I wanted to be a wrestler and you actually have a contract <laughs> in high school. So like, how do you like, like talk about your friends or, or your family, your mom's sitting across the room? Like how, how do you tell your friends? Like, oh, I've got a contract. Do people think it's cool? Are they thinking you're, you're, you're full of, of shit or, or what? So I feel like the kids at school, they don't really understand how it works. They kind of look at it as more of like a, like a college D one offer. Right. Um, but they all think wrestling is just like, they think it's all fake. They all think it's just like whatever. They think I'm kind of lame for it. I get judged a lot for it, <laughs> but uh, it doesn't really matter to me because they like uh, they always tell me all the time like, oh, where are you going traveling the world this weekend? Or, oh, you just went to Japan or you just went to the UK. So there's times where they think it's cool, but there's like a big handful of them that all think it's just fake and lame. And So how can you go to Japan or the UK when you're still in school? I miss school, but when I come back, I just got to make up all the work. Um, my teachers were pretty cool with it. As long as I stay on top of my grades and on top of the assignments, they're pretty chill with it. This is crazy. It's like talking to Greta Van Fleet, who actually <laughs> are in a world touring band playing arenas and basically still in high school. It's like my dream as a kid wanting to be uh, you know, a wrestler and having to you know, wait and actually go to school and all that stuff. But you've been wrestling for a long time. Yes, sir. I started training when I was nine years old with my dad and I've been training till this day ever since then. And I had my first match on a show when I was 12. And your dad, of course, is, is the late great Buddy Wayne. Yes, sir. Now that's where you come in, Brian. Buddy Wayne yeah. was your mentor, correct? Yes, he was my mentor. Um, I also, like you, wanted to be in wrestling when I was in high school. And uh, I mean, we had to start our own promotion. I mean, you were you were lucky enough to you know go to the Hart Brothers and everything like that and and get in, but but you couldn't go to your eighteen. That was the rule. Well, yeah, for you. I mean, around yeah. here the rule was there was no schools. Was no <laughs> right, right, right. So you know, we we did our own backyard thing, and I I did that for a long time, and then you know there was a local promotion, and uh, and I started to do refereeing work there, and uh, that was the first time that I ever saw Buddy. He was in the ring with uh, this guy named Samito. And I was the referee. And, you know, I'd been doing whatever we were doing for years, which was not actual professional wrestling. But and so I remember I got in there and uh, they they were calling the entire match in the ring. And I was just like, what? I didn't know how it worked. I mean, I, I you know, the stuff that we did, you know, we talked to each other and everything like that. But it wasn't really calling a match. And I'm watching these guys and, you know, they're in a the headlock, tackle, drop down, blah, blah, blah like six spots in a row and then they would do it 
And I remember sitting there going, bro, I could never do this. Right, this right, right. way too, way, like it's impossible. Mm-hmm. And that's how I first met Buddy. And, and I didn't really talk to him at all. I didn't know him at all. It was a couple of years later that I really got to know him. But that was just my first memory. I was watching these two, and they had this great match, and this crowd's going crazy, and it was all called in the ring, and it just totally blew my mind that this was what this actually was. When did you meet Nick? Probably at birth. I think when he was born, yeah. I mean, the first picture I have with Nick was, um, it was 2006, and uh, Vinny and I did a match in Buddy's backyard. We had done a fundraiser for the uh, website, and we'd raised $3,600 or whatever, and we said, if we hit this amount, we're going to do this match, and me and Vinny and Buddy had filmed all these vignettes that we put on YouTube, and, uh, and that day, I took a picture, and I'm holding Nick. And uh, and Ed Moretti's in the background. He's just doing a, ah, his face in the background. And uh, yeah, that was the first time I had a. And then I got pictures of him when we were playing around in the ball pit. But yeah, you were just a you were just a little you were just Buddy's kid. And that's the thing. Your your dad is Buddy Wayne, and your mom is part of the Moretti family. Moondog Moretti, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And these are all you know Portland, Vancouver, Seattle, kind of Pacific Northwest wrestling. Um, there's always uh, guys in every territory, like in Calgary, it was Jerry Morrow yep. and Great Gama and guys like that that were really big in Stampede Wrestling and didn't really go, they went around the world, but they didn't really pop on the national scene. Same thing with the Pacific Northwest as well. I mean, I know Moondog Ready toured around and Buddy toured around a bit, but it wasn't like they were WWE or, or WCW superstars. But in this area, they were legendary yep. wrestlers, legendary figures, right? Yeah. And I mean, Buddy. Buddy did uh, work for you know WWF, WCW. He did jobs for yeah. years, but uh, yeah, as far as you know, he he came up in a period where he was like five five, five six, mm-hmm. and you know, eighties, nineties. It was so hard to break through when you were that size and everyone knew he was great mm-hmm. and you know he had matches with steamboat sean michaels and i think it was michaels who told him like you know if you were six feet tall you'd be a millionaire yeah but he wasn't six feet tall right. he's five five and in, so in the late 80s late 80s yeah. which you might as well be you know two feet tall if you're not six feet tall there's yeah. no there's no real in between there it was it was very it was just you know he was well respected he was a great worker and he would go to, you know, different territories and, you know, main event, be awesome. But as far as like the main companies, it was just a very difficult door to get through mm-hmm. at that size. So you grew up in the business, like we say, both your mom and dad were in, were in the business or related to the business. So what are your earliest memories of, of wrestling and what made you decide Have you always wanted to be a wrestler since you were a little kid? So uh, my earliest memories was my dad's wrestling school. Uh, he would run trainings multiple times a week and i'd always be out there watching the students train this is in seattle or yes yeah. everett everett right. yes and I'd, I'd watch these students train and like when when they weren't training there was some type of wrestling on in the house whether it be on the tv or a tablet or a laptop so it was like everywhere i looked there was some type of pro wrestling so it was like how could i not fall in love with it when i'm constantly seeing it um but watching the students train i just found it like so fascinating and like i loved everything they did and eventually when i got to like seven or eight years old i would watch these trainings and when training was over i'd get in there by myself and i would do what they did and what they were learning to do and after doing that for a minute i asked my dad when i was nine i was like is it cool if i get in there with them like i want to do this with the guys the students and he was like yeah let's do it uh so i got my little asics my elbow pads knee pads (laughs) and we got going 
So he never pushed you before then? Ever? Not with the students, no. Okay. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. I have three kids and none of them have any interest in wrestling whatsoever. Like my son played football and did, did amateur wrestling, but never had any aspirations and same with my daughters as well. So to be wanting to do this at such a young age, I mean, that's like, I remember when I was eight or nine thinking I want to be a wrestler, like you must have, but it's also too, when you're eight or nine, I want to be an astronaut or I want to be an archeologist, you know, I want to be Indiana Jones. So when you're that young, you kind of want to do all of these kind of things, but you stuck with it, obviously. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I, I feel like just being around it all the time and constantly seeing it, it was like, that's what my mind was always on was professional wrestling. So that's kind of what my mind sticked with at a very young age. And I tried to go through with it and I did. And your dad was obviously supportive of it, even though at a young age, did he have any rules for you when you started wanting to get into the business? So at the time you had to have a wrestling license to wrestle in Washington and to get the license, you had to be 18. So growing up my whole life, seeing all these shows in the Pacific Northwest, it was always, oh, wait until you're 18, wait until you're 18. And uh, eventually I did this fair show when I was 12 years old in Abbotsford, Canada. And I would continue to do those. I've wrestled there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I would continue to do that fair uh, once a year, every August when I was 12, 13, and 14. And then eventually this new promotion came to Everett that was about 15 minutes away from my house. And they were the first promotion to take the risk with me in America. And once they did, I started training with this Lucha Libre promotion. I started doing shows with them. And then eventually just doing more shows around the Pacific Northwest. About last year in August, I got hit up by this promotion called GCW. And, um, he was like, right off the bat, he was like, let's get you in LA, let's get you in Chicago, which at the time, I've never wrestled outside of the Pacific Northwest, so it was like a very big deal to me. And um, once I did those shows, he was like, all right, let's get you in Vegas, let's get you in Atlantic City. And uh, I just started traveling with them and then eventually getting on other indies around the uh, country and then expanding to outside of the country. I just recently wrestled in Japan uh, with GCW when they traveled there, as well as the UK. And... Uh, yeah 17 dude that's what 17. i mean so you're 17 so how are you able to like does your mom go with you when you do these tours or like how do you go at 16 or 17 she comes with me to the international ones mm -hmm. uh but when it comes to in-state it's mainly on my own but when we go to vegas or when you go to la or something like that you're yeah she'll come sometimes gotcha because yeah. i almost envision it's like you get on the plane and yet you're you have you're a minor and you have to put the little sign around your neck that the stewardess has to take you on the plane and then take you off and escort you <laughs> No, yeah, ma mainly all the stuff inside the United States, I travel on my own. Gotcha. And it's so weird, too, and Brian knows this as well. When did you start wrestling? On an actual independent show, 98. Okay, so I started in 90 or 98, but like in the 90s, especially in the 80s, late 80s, a 16-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, I mean, all the boys would do would want to shave your head or shave your eyebrows or totally get you drunk or you. get you f***ed up. 
It's not like that anymore, thankfully. Not even 17. Not, I mean, if they just didn't like you. Yeah, didn't exactly. I'm just you saying, were. especially if you were younger. You yep. know what I mean? Yep. But the, the, it's it's interesting. And if your dad was here, he'd probably tell you stories of him wanting to do that. I mean, it just kind of was the initi- initiation. Have you ever had any of that at all? Anybody kind of uh, trying to uh, mess with you because you're young? Or do people kind of do the opposite and take care of you because you're young? I think nowadays it's more of like the take care yeah. aspect. I feel like I have a lot of people uh, in the business that tried to like look after me and take care of me and make sure I'm not put in weird situations like that. But then again, like stuff like that doesn't really like happen mm-hmm. nowadays anymore. Um, but yeah, I feel like it's more of like a protective aspect and more of like a a big brother kind of vibe when I'm yeah. around the guys. Well, and you also have to ch- to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I mean, you're just a kid, right? So. You know, you hear about like child actors or something where they get so much so quick and they lose their lose their, you know, their minds, basically, you know, lose the perception of of what's real, lose reality. Mm -hmm. So how do you kind of stay grounded when you've already been around the world and have all of these people talking about you and you've even been signed to, like you said, basically a D1 AEW contract? I feel like school is kind of what keeps me grounded during the week when I go to normal public school it's like i'm around kids my age yeah uh i'm, I'm like learning the same things they are um but i feel like that's kind of like the 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 switch is like one half of the week is pro wrestling around adults the other half is around kids my age mm-hmm. in public school but I, I haven't gotten to that part yet where i've gone like starting to go crazy over wrestling right now i'm kind of just like taking it all in and just loving every second of it and like loving everything i'm doing and trying to take in every moment i can so you're not taking it for granted. Absolutely not. Yeah, because no. you, you don't want to get egotistical about it, right? And say, no. "Oh, the shit." And My biggest fear. Yeah, yeah. How old were you when your dad passed away? I was 11 years old. Okay, so it was a while ago. So, but you had already started training. Yes. And how old were you when you had your first match? 12. I had my first match. I think two weeks or a month after he passed away. So, is your career almost like dedicated to your father in a, in a way? Absolutely, yes. I want to try to continue his last name and the uh, legacy that I feel like he left for me. Mm-hmm. What kind of advice did he give you that you can remember about the business before before you left us? Even about training or anything like that. Did he ever talk to you or he just kind of let you in the ring and let you roll around? He let me do my things, but I would always listen into what he would say to these guys. He would always say, talk about repetition. He was like, if you've done it a million times and you think like... I've already done it a million times. I don't need to do it again. He's like, you need to do it a million more times. He's like, repetition will never get old. So I've always tried to like always do that. When I still train with the students till this day, it's like I've never gotten like a big head or being like, oh, I'm too good for tackle job. Don't leave like a toss. It's like I still do it with them every week uh, because I want to perfect it. So repetition has always been like very, very big to me, no matter what it is in wrestling. I feel like that's what's stuck with me the most. Let's talk about Buddy for a bit, because like I said, I've been doing this for 10 years and probably haven't ever really discussed Buddy Wayne a lot. And my uh, experiences with him are very minimal. I remember meeting him a couple times backstage in Seattle and probably Tacoma as well when we would come up here with WWE. But I remember watching him with Tony Candelo in Winnipeg uh, in the 88, 89, watching local TV. Buddy Wayne was always on there, working with Brett Como. Uh, who was a very good friend of mine awesome. when I first started. Awesome, yeah, kind of a pioneer ahead of his time yep. in a lot of ways. But I remember, and, and this could be wrong, and Brian, you can you can probably tell me if this is right or not, and I'm pretty sure it is. I remember going to some warehouse to watch 
WFWA, which is what Candela's wrestling was called. And he, buddy was there and he had abs drawn on like with a, with a, with a Sharpie. I'm imagining. Yeah. Is that something that he that would, would absolutely do? be something you would have done? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So tell this us guy about I did so many ribs. I mean, I mean, the one that everyone talks about is there was some show in Oregon and he stole the dressing room because the dressing room was in like a <laughs> um, tractor trailer or something like that. And uh, and he stole it. He just got in and drove off with the, the dressing room. And, you know, he never did anything like he never shaved anyone's eyebrows or anything like that. But, you know, he he'd pull some stuff, especially <laughs> with, you know, guys like Vinny. You know, right. There was. uh yeah. But anyway, Buddy was a great guy. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I. Uh, but did you wrestle with him a lot? Oh, right? dude, I wrestled yeah. with him. You know, I always say that he trained me. He actually didn't train me, but I give him all the credit for training me because, you know, before Buddy and after Buddy was like two completely different understandings of what pro wrestling is. Like I had trained with Ole Olsen. Ole Olsen. Ole yeah. Olsen, yeah. yeah. Another guy named the Big Red Wrecking Crew, which, you know, his training was mostly I take a lot of bumps for him. But, you know, Buddy was the guy, and Matt Farmer. I'm sure you know Matt Farmer, Defy. I'm not sure I know him. Okay. But anyway, you know, he was the guy that I got into the ring with, and I learned on the job. Like, we went down to uh, a bull ring in Prineville, Oregon, was our first ever match. I'd never been in the ring with him in my life. And it was one of those deals where, like, all the way down, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Don't worry about it. What are we going to do? Don't worry about it. And I'm absolutely petrified. Mm -hmm. And even when we got to the building, it was like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? It's like, don't worry (laughs) about it. And he was going to call the whole match in the ring with me. And, you know, I brand new experience for me. And it was going to be a 15-minute draw and then five more minutes. So I was going to have to go 20 minutes with this guy I'd never been in the ring with. And I just had to listen and I was petrified and we went in there and he was great. So the match was good. And after that, he had asked Tim Flowers, he goes, who's this guy here? Because I was probably 140 pounds and I did. I could do our. Yeah, I actually am. But uh, I was about 140 pounds. I could do flips because I was a gymnast, everything like that. And he was a small guy. So he was looking for somebody that he could do matches with. And he could be the base, and I could be the baby face, the whole thing. And he asked Tim, you know, what about this guy? And Tim came to me, and he said, you know, Buddy's going to do this show in Prineville, Oregon. He wants to know if you want to go with him and wrestle him. And I was like, yeah. So he took me down there, and I'm sure it was like a tryout. But he was happy with it in the end. And from that point, I mean, we did, no joke, hundreds of matches. I mean, we worked everywhere, every show. I mean, and that was how I learned to work because mm-hmm. that's what he taught me right was how to work you know call the whole thing in the ring we'd have a finish we'd go in there and and uh and you know you've been in the ring with thousands more guys than i have but i mean there was no one i was ever in the ring with that was like in the stratosphere of buddy hmm. he was so light he was so smooth we would go in front of a crowd who had no idea who we were no idea and we were always in the opener. Nobody cared. You know, they just sit there and they look at you. And then by the <laughs> end, they were going crazy because he understood how to work a crowd. Right. And so, you know, that was, you know, my life with Buddy. And he taught me how to work, call matches in the ring, be light. In, I think, 2010, I went up to uh, Lance's school and uh, I trained with him. And he said, 
he told me I was 80s light. Mm-hmm. And that's from Lance, mm-hmm. you know, who yeah, was, right, right. was and always light. Yeah, that's that's the way that I I learned how to do it from Buddy, and I I cannot credit him enough with what he taught me about wrestling. Like anything, if I ever had a good match in my life, it's because of Buddy mm-hmm. and what he taught me. He was unbelievable. It's interesting. That's kind of the way that all those guys worked, and I was kind of in the middle of that. Where obviously now you call almost everything in the yeah. ring. Uh, not for some guys, but most of the guys do. And then you called almost nothing, nothing. in the ring. You know, we was watching the first match I ever had, Lance, and I had a 10-minute a, a draw, 15-minute draw, whatever it was. And then there's one spot that we called, and the rest you're just, you know, doing stuff you learn in, in camp. You know, and then that's, like, that's amazing how things have changed, but guys like Buddy's Generation probably could work 10,000 matches because they wouldn't do a lot, but in the best possible way. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Tim Flowers was the same yeah. way. I did a I did an Iron Man match with Tim. Our match. He told me nothing. He didn't tell me a finish. He didn't tell me who was going to win. He didn't tell me who was going <laughs> to get how many. And I, I was another one. I was petrified. And I went in there and and we went through the entire match, sixty minutes, and we'd called nothing. That's amazing. I was. Yeah. Like, I mean, I I trusted the guy obviously, but you know he. It's, you know, all credit to him. He called the whole match. Mm-hmm. But, you know, and now, you know, I did a couple of matches a few years ago. And that's what people do now is, okay, here, here's the opening spot. We're going to do this for the heat. Let's do this spot here. Let's do that spot there. Here's our near falls. And, you know, sometimes there's a little room in there to yeah. do whatever. But in general, it's like you've got an outline from start to finish of this entire match. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they're great in their own way. But it is totally different than the stuff that. I learned from Buddy, yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Do you ever watch any of your dad's matches? Do you have a lot of them on tape and stuff? I do, yes. Yeah, yeah. And like he was saying, I've known how to call a match on the fly since I was like 10 or 11 years old. Yes, yeah. And I've been put in situations before on shows where I had to call a match on the fly, whether the person showed up late or someone got injured and someone else just happened to be there and was like, can you call this match right now? I was like, yeah, let's do it. I did it um, almost a year ago. It was a main event match, 20 minutes. This guy got hurt in like the opening spot. And there's me and this other wrestler and a few other medics hovering over him. And the guy across from me looks at me. He's like, you want to do this right now? I was like, yeah, let's do it. I was like, I've, I've been trying to do this. I got you. And we had a 20 minute main event match in front of this crowd because we didn't want to leave them, have them going home with no main event. You know, mm-hmm. they've been fired up for this main event all night. So, um, yeah, we, it's, we, we rare, it's a rare thing for, for guys of... You're a generation, although you're very younger than most guys of the generation, but now it's so much concentrated on high spot, high spot, high spot. So that's a great skill to have. I can tell you, too, that uh, in, I think, 2018, I was going to go down for that Jungle Boy match. Mm. And so I went to the school to Where train with at? you. Where was the Jungle Boy match at? Uh, Hayward, I think. Oh, in California. In California, gotcha. yeah, yeah. I forget. All, it was all pro. I can't remember. Home of Woody Farmer. Yes. <laughs> so I went to train, because I haven't been in the ring a ton with him in his life. Cause, you know, with I, Nick. Yeah, yeah, a million other things I've done, but I did go to train with him. And he, so he would have been, this was five years ago. 
So he would have been, what, 12? 12, something 12, like yes. that? I got in the ring, and this dude called the whole match at 12. Jeez. <laughs> Because I remember I I got and I was like, what do you want to do? You want to you you want to try to call it? And he was like, yeah, okay, whatever. Like it was not like it was a stupid question. Like of course I can call a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was like, all right, well let's see what we can do. And he called the whole match, and I was like, wow, this dude's twelve, and he just called a match. Twelve, just and it was like that. a good match. <laughs> like it was in a garage or whatever. There's nobody there, but it's practice match or whatever. But we did a whole match. He called the whole thing. It's pretty rare now because I know, like, for example, like TJ Wilson and, and Teddy Hart and um, Harry Smith, those guys were working. I think they had a match in the Saddle Dome uh, with WWF, probably, I don't know, 2000, maybe early. I remember they this. Were, they were little kids. They were like 12, yeah. 10. Yeah. And they were, they were, they allowed them to have a match, which is so crazy to think that the WWF allowed them to yes. have a match. And obviously, when you go to England, guys start younger, they're 15, 14. But, you know, in, in this time and age to be starting at 12 13 14 15 like once again I'm, I'm really kind of intrigued by this is there like rules is there commissions like you said the commission in washington you have to be 18 right yeah there's still cer certain states that have like uh, a commission like new york i can't wrestle uh, gotcha. until i'm 18 i did one show in new york though when i was 16 and i got away with it but then there was going to be this big show at the Hammerstein Ballroom, and I was announced for it. And then a few days before the show, someone ratted me out to the commission, and I got kicked off the show. Um, <laughs> but there's still a few states that have like the uh, the commission of 18 years old. So let's talk more about your career. So you mentioned that Darby Allen gave you um, the contract here last February. Yes. Are you, obviously, you must be close with Darby, friends with Darby. Absolutely. Yeah, I was there uh, for his first day of training with my dad. He came into the school oh. with uh, with toy cars super glued to his head. He showed me the picture of that <laughs> when he did talk as Jericho. And, and Buddy called me like a, a few days later. He goes, I got this guy. And like. You know, he's really skinny, but he's a skateboarder. You should see the bumps this guy can take. <laughs> he, was, he was excited. I forgot that Darby trained with, with Buddy. Yes, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I, I saw like his first day of training. I refereed some of his like earliest matches, like his second or third match, and then a few more after that. But yeah, I, I saw his whole like rise to where he is now. Yeah, I've known him since his first day of uh, wrestling. Me and him, he would take me to skate park sometimes when I was into skateboarding for a little bit. But yeah, he... He was definitely like a, one of my big brothers, like someone that's like a family mm -hmm. member to me. It's good to have guys like that in your corner that can be kind of more of a big brother, you know, not a father figure, but someone that can give you that sort of mentorship that you might need. Absolutely, yes. And Darby's definitely got his head screwed on straight, even though he's completely insane, but he's a pretty <laughs> smart guy. Absolutely, yeah, one of the smartest people I know. So does he give you advice about the business at all? Uh, he gives me a lot of like life advice, yeah. honestly. He's very big on like uh, like manifestation. He showed me some stuff about that, but he's very big on like life. And like you said, he has his head screwed on straight. So everything he says is very like beneficial mm -hmm. to me, especially being young, that if I could learn that now and then I don't got to worry about it later because I learned it when I was young. It's like it's a very great thing to have and to have him in my corner to be teaching me those things. I'm very, very thankful to have him. And how do you mean manifestation? Like, Give me some examples of how you're using that. So he like showed me manifestation like very big on uh, like speaking things into existence. He would tell me things like if you write in this notebook every single day, like um, things that you want to happen and like goals you want to eventually reach, uh, eventually like speak them into existence. And I'm like very big on like setting goals for myself, like very high goals and trying to reach them 
uh, in any way possible. And one of those being eventually one day working for AEW <laughs> and getting the contract at 16 years old, it was just so crazy. And then people are like, what do you want to do after AEW? I'm like, dude, I have no idea. <laughs> but um, yeah, manifestation is something that he got me into and I think it's very beneficial and very, very cool thing. Are you surprised, Brian, to see how far Nick has come in such a short period of time? He's got the genetics, obviously, but, uh, you know, I, I remember when he was nine in the ring and just playing around or whatever. Just like any, it was, but it was, at that point, he was just like any other little kid. Right. And, you know, in the ring, you jump up and down the ropes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even even when we did that thing where he called the whole match, you know, I, I would still look back at it. And, you know, there are a lot of things I was like, you know, this could be crisper or whatever. Just kind of thinking stuff like that. And then uh, I saw some of his early stuff at Defy. And I was like, he's he's getting pretty good. And then in like a one-year period, you shouldn't be here to listen to this. In like a one or two-year period, he got like impossibly good. Like I couldn't believe the level of improvement. Because I, I, mean, I don't know if I told anybody this, but like I always figured, because he was very small when I was training with him. And I thought, okay, you know, when he turns 18, I'll do one match at Defy. It'll be me and Nick Wayne. We'll have this match put the kid over, whatever, blah, 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 blah. And then all of a sudden one day, like the dream was out the window because I was like watching him going, okay, first <laughs> off, he's six feet tall. And yeah. it's like totally ridiculous. It's just not going to work. Yeah. And then, and then second off, it was like, he's miles beyond what I ever was. Mm. Like I, I couldn't even do a match. We, we would go in there and it would be the lamest Nick Wayne match if we went in there and did it. Like he just went from, <laughs> he went from like, Okay, you know, this this kid's good for, you know, a 14-year-old to all of a sudden he was like 16, 17, and I'm watching these matches, and I'm like, this kid is like, he's unbelievable. He's like a legitimately great worker at this point. I don't know how many of his matches you've seen. Just a few highlights here and there, but nothing really. I'm telling you, dude, you got to go back and watch like some of the Defy matches, and it was just like, what happened here? Like, this is... And Dave said the same thing. And I mean, Dave's watched a lot more wrestling than me. Right. And he's seen a lot more guys at 17. And even he was like, I don't think I've ever seen anyone at 16, 17 years old as good hmm. as Nick is. Don't listen to this. You're going to get a big head. <laughs> no, no. But, but I mean, and part of it is, you know, as you would know, at 16, he started traveling all over. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was working geeks. It was like people were putting him in the ring with great workers. Right. And so, like, you know, my first match with Buddy, it was like one match with Buddy when it was over. I was like, dude, I'm way better than I was yesterday. Sure. One match. Yeah. But with one guy. Like, if there had been a series of guys, like, the if, if we would have had that opportunity at 16, mm -hmm. I mean, to be working with some of the best independent guys and not even independent guys from AEW going all over the place. I mean, mm. Swerve Strickland, like all these guys mm. going to Defy and he's having matches with them. Chris Daniels, all these different styles, all these different guys, all condensed every weekend for like two years. And you can just see how if you, if you really watch his matches from two years ago compared to today, you can see this massive leap in, in quality, and it's because of that. It's like the thing we talk about all the time. You've got to get in there yeah. with good guys of different styles all the time and work. That's how you get better. Yeah. And he's a living example of what you can actually, especially that age, you know. Well, As you're younger, you're a sponge for that stuff. 
Yeah, and that's the thing that's good. I mean, obviously to have the you know the AW you know rights deal, whatever you want to call it, but it's great to be traveling around because that's where you learn to go to Japan and, and and go like you said to even to LA or wherever. Did you say you've been to the UK? I have, yes. So I mean, just to go over there, not just for wrestling, but life lessons like you spoke about, that gives you a much more well-rounded view of what the wrestling business is. Mm-hmm. You know, and 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 one of the good things about AW on my side of the business is that we only work once or twice a week. One of the bad things about AEW from your side of the business is you only work once or twice a week. So to be out there and actually working more is very beneficial to you right now. Yes, yeah, yeah. Working like m- multiple times a uh, a weekend, making the transition once I turn eighteen from once a, or from a multiple times a week to once a week will be a little different. But um, we can still do indie shows, though. I'm sure we're kind of or that's not the deal. I don't. Know. I think we kind of let people do those types of shows, defy and yes, like the yeah, good yeah. independents, right? Yes, the good ones. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So who are some of the guys you've worked that you've really learned from? Will Ospreay, I think, is... Oh, wow. When did you work with Will? uh, Last June. In? Providence, Rhode Island. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, Him. Awesome. Oh, yeah. So tell me about that match. Oh, man. So Will Ospreay is someone that I discovered when I was like 9 or 10 years old. You guys have the same hairstyle. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, well, Will actually said he even looks like me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Some similarities for sure. But he... uh, was just like such a very big influence on me and i really like loved his style of wrestling and the things he did i thought were so mind-blowing and jaw-dropping i was like man that's how i want to be someday like i want people to look at me and be like that is insane like a human shouldn't be able to do stuff like that Mm -hmm. and seeing his progression from like seven years ago till now he's a completely different animal and i definitely think he's in his prime right now so being able to wrestle him when he's in his prime was just so crazy and my my ultimate dream in wrestling was to be able to share the ring with him just because of how much he inspired me as a professional wrestler so to be able to share the ring with him was one thing but the learning experience of, like that came with it was another that that is a moment that i'll hold on to forever the moment i woke up that day i instantly had butterflies in my stomach i, I was so nervous i just wanted it to be the perfect match and i think it was the perfect match i think it was the best match i've had in my life Mm-hmm. Uh, to this day but yeah the, the greatest learning experience of my life so what do you learn from from a guy like osprey obviously one of the the best in the business they just tore the house down last night at the tokyo dome with kenny but what is what do, what do you learn when, when when nick wayne shows up to, to work with will osprey so before just like on indie shows being first second or third match eight to ten minutes face versus face is just a lot of spots you know what i mean right spot get up spot get up being in there with osprey felt like so many more moments than spots we didn't really do much but there was so many moments in the match and i realized that it's not like the spots that get the reaction it's the moments and the emotional attachment you make with the fans that make the match so special rather than a jaw-dropping move although we did a lot of those as well but i feel like it's the moments that really make the match special and can make it like a five star Mm -hmm. So just like really taking your time, stretching out time, how to stretch out time, making moments in a match and 
making the match special because of that is something I really yeah, learned from him. Sure, absolutely. What about when you work with GCW? Because they're a little bit more of a um, street fighting, deathmatch type of a promotion. Is that what you kind of do when you went there? Or did you do more traditional type of matches? I only do traditional matches yeah. there. I don't do any of the deathmatch stuff or hardcore stuff. Mm. So who'd you work with when you're there? Um, some of the more high-flying guys they have are usually earlier on the card. Uh, that's like before the deathmatch stuff comes mm -hmm. out. Um, but I've worked with guys there like Jonathan Gresham or Alex Shelley, um, Bandito. Uh, no, a lot of great learning experiences. It's unbelievable, as well, right? Seventeen. Some of the greatest <laughs> wrestlers with these in guys. the world. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel very blessed to like wrestle guys like that on a stage like GCW. I feel like it has a very big viewing right now on the independents. So I'm very glad I get to wrestle people like that on that stage. And that's how you went to Japan was with GCW. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. how long was that tour? It was a week and a half long. We did four shows along the way. So what did you think of Japan? Oh, I didn't want to leave. <laughs> I got I got there. Once I was there for a few days, I was like, I want to stay. Uh, my favorite experience being in there was working with Shima and the Stronghearts. I did a six-man tag with them. <laughs> and just being in there with like a legend like him and watching and studying so many of his matches, I was like, this is just incredible. And wrestling in Corken Hall as well was like <laughs> <laughs> something so crazy to me. Just like how many matches I've studied oh my gosh, that have happened so at that historic venue before. And I found out after the tour that I am the youngest American uh, to tour Japan in wrestling. I was 20 when I first went. So how were you, 16? 17. Jeez, man. I thought I did good. <laughs> <laughs> so what did you think of Japan as, as, as a country as far as the culture and food and kind of some of that sort of stuff? Were you a little bit shocked at how things are done there? A little bit, yes. The uh, the mannerism is different there. The food is great. I love the food. It's a very clean country as well. That's what I liked about it as well. You never find litter nowhere, <laughs> no no nothing, nowhere. And everyone's very polite. Um I think the biggest difficulty though was trying to find like uh trying to find food because you can't read any of the signs. There's pictures, but it's like I don't even know what that is. Mm -hmm. So a lot of things are just like, I'm gonna get this and hope it's all right. But no, I, I love the culture. It's definitely somewhere that I feel like one day I'd like to stay and possibly live there and just work strictly in Japan. Were you there just with GCW as a company or were you working with a, a Japanese company as well? Working with a Japanese promotion called Freedoms. They're oh, okay. more of like a, a deathmatch gotcha. company, but same thing, I just was the opening matches or one of the first three matches that were just regular exhibition matches. What's the best food you ate there? Mr. Danger Steakhouse, the the steak there <laughs> was incredible. Best steak I've ever had. Mr. Danger, yes. Oh, the the, the guy, Mr. Danger, the 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 wrestler, Mr. Pogo's Steakhouse, or who's, who's Mr. Danger? <laughs> he was some like famous deathmatch wrestler in Japan, but he has a steakhouse. Yeah, I, I do. I know who he is. We used to call him Mr. Halcyon because he was so boring in the ring. <laughs> Halcyon's a, a, a pill that used to guys used to take to put you to sleep. Mr. What's his name? Look it up. It's not Mr. Pogo. Look up Mr. Danger yeah. as we're talking. Now, what's the worst thing that you ate there? I ate a lot of steak. I'm going to be okay. real. A lot of steak. There was one day I ate steak for every meal of the day. If you find something you like, stick with it there. Because I remember I went through the first time I grabbed some milk and I drank, drank it and I threw it up everywhere. It was goat's milk. Oh my like they don't God. warn you about that stuff. Or corn yes. corn and squid pizza. That was a good one. Ooh, One of my first days <laughs> I was Matsunaga. there. Matsunaga. That's yep, it. Yep. <laughs> Mr. Danger Matsunaga. There you go. So he's got a good steakhouse now? He does. Yeah. Okay, he, yeah. he can cook a crazy steak. There you go. Better than Ribera's says here. Wow, it probably is. It is. I'm Ribera's not great. It's just more of the 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 uh, the ambiance of Ribera's that people go there for and the history of it. Yes, yeah, yeah. 
But one of my first days I was there, I found like a, what looked like a protein shake, but I drank it and it just tasted like sour yogurt. Like it's, <laughs> I don't think it was a protein <laughs> shake if I'm being real. I remember after the match, they used to hand out Porcari sweat. Oh yeah, which, they sell those. Which are like, it's like a like an energy drink or like yeah. a Gatorade or something. Yeah, but just the name Pocari Sweat. It was just like, oh, it's, it's weird. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The longest field goal ever attempted is seventy six yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also seventy six yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a seventy yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. So how about the UK? Tell us about when you went there. Uh, the UK is very, very nice. And uh, like the food there is not very good, but mm. that's whatever. But the wrestling, uh, I enjoy the wrestling there a lot of the guys that I met there are very like young and small and like high spotty guys. Mm -hmm. But getting to work for the UK, I think was pretty cool. It was my first uh, international thing I've ever did. I worked for Progress Wrestling when I was there and TNT. Uh, last time I went, GCW was there. They partnered up with TNT. But yeah, it's a great experience there. I like wrestling in the UK, uh, but Japan was just different. It just oh, yeah. felt so much more, different. Right. So, but when you go to Japan for a week and a half, and for the UK, how long were you there for? Uh, about the same, like a week. And you just tell your principal I'm gone for the next week and a half, and they, they're cool with that? Yeah, I had to get all my teachers to sign off on this paper to excuse my absences for the next, like, three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so, are you doing homework when you're, like, on the plane going over there or something like that? Or? <laughs> I, I do it when I come back. Gotcha. But you do have to have the certain amount of homework done. Yes, yeah, yeah. That's so crazy. You know, get finished the match and go back to the room and work on my math. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's been situations where I have had to do that before. Yeah. I had so, to rush back to hotel because there's a project due at 11.59. Now, is it turning 18 <laughs> and graduating? Um, So I graduate and then I turn 18 like two weeks after that. But I mean, you have to graduate to get this contract, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That's so that, that's incentive that's right there thing. to get that homework yeah. done. Yeah. It's like you say, if you graduate, you get the uh, trust fund sort yes. of thing, right? So your, your teachers must be pretty cool with this. They must understand kind of what you're doing. Like, oh, this is a pretty big opportunity for this kid. Some of them think it's cool, yes. But then there's the other ones where they're like, so you do wrestling? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, like school wrestling. I'm like, no, uh, professional wrestling, like entertainment. And they're like, so the fake stuff. And it's like, oh, man. Here's I, I had the tanning place today. I was like, are we still saying this? Fake it stuff. is funny. It's like 2022. I know. Like, People are still asking, you mean the fake stuff? Yeah, I'm at the uh, Climate, whatever this is called, Climate Events Center, whatever we're called here. What's this arena called? Climate Change Arena. Climate Change Arena. They're like, oh, which kind of wrestling? Yeah, because amateur wrestling does the Climate Change Arena on a Wednesday night. No, it's pro wrestling. Oh, the fake stuff. And Climate Pledge, know. I'm sorry. It's, it's, not Climate Change. Or Climate Pledge. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it always makes me laugh when people say that. But once again, okay, so it's still you're getting a chance to travel overseas, you know, as a teenager. I mean, to me, that should be the point of why anybody goes to school. You know what I mean? Like, why are we going to school to, to, to have an international a career here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what's yeah. going on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it does make me laugh that you still have to get, you know, permission slip to do it. That's yeah. insane, right? <laughs> As we start to wind down here, when when you started hearing, I mean, when, you, when Darby comes in with this this contract, have you actually ever spoken to Tony Khan at all about this? Not the contract specifically, but I have spoken to him just like very quick 
hellos. He's usually always like running around yeah. somewhere doing something. But just very quick like hellos. Have you been to AW shows before then? I have, yes. Oh wow, I haven't seen you. I went to like a, a Jacksonville one, uh, but it was August of last year. Gotcha. And I think one other one after that, but I mainly started going uh, once the contract. So obviously he was a huge fan of yours and was keeping an eye on you. Yes, yeah, yeah. Darby showed Tony my stuff. Darby came to Seattle one time and we were training in the ring and he sent Tony some clips and Tony was like, how is he so crisp and how does he know like where to be in the ring at this time, at the perfect time? And he was just mind blown. And he said like, let me know when he starts to like get older and become 18. And he said, bring him to Jacksonville. I want to meet him. I came to Jacksonville. I trained at the Nightmare Factory too. And um, that's when I met Tony and Tony was like still on the run. So it's just a very fast, like nice to meet you. Yeah. Uh, but he's always been very nice to me. Very, very cool. You know, that uh, that Defy show, I had no idea what was going to happen. But I was there. Mm. And he had been building such a name that, you know, people were starting to talk about, like, this guy's going to turn 18. And, you know, is he going to go to WWF? Is he going to go to WC or WWE? Is he going to go to AEW? And, uh, and you had the match. And then they hit Darby's music. And, like, Darby got in the ring. And I, it was like I just knew. I was like, he's going to pull out a contract. Mm -hmm. And no one had told me anything. And so I got my phone and I, I filmed it because I just, I had this feeling I was going to give him a contract. And he gave me the contract and I tweeted it. And like the next morning it was like 250,000 views or some absolutely crazy deal. But I just saw Darby coming out and I was like, this is, it's <laughs> happening. And it did. So. Did you ever have any thoughts about WWE at all? Growing up, yeah. Mm. But also like at the time when I was growing up, there was no such thing as AEW. Mm-hmm. But once AW started being on TV is when I was like, I feel like this is where I would be like a better fit. Mm -hmm. Just seeing like the way AW does things and the wrestlers they have, I was like, I feel like I'd be a very nice fit here on this roster. In what way? I don't know. I just, and also now like I've worked with a lot of guys that have, uh, that are on this roster and I would love to be able to do it again on this stage rather than an independent. And I feel like we could do very special things on this stage as well. I don't know. It just, it just something about AEW with me just felt like I wanted to be here or like I would enjoy it mm. much, much better. We have quite a connection with Seattle and with Defy. Like you mentioned, Swerve is from here and Danielson is from here and Darby is from here. It's like, I know a lot of our guys, Chris Daniels, Danielson. Danielson. Yeah. I think Chris Daniels is the Defy champion or was, was, yeah. We have a lot of guys coming up here. So it seems like there's a relationship there for sure. Absolutely. Yes. When you're talking about, about about Buddy Wayne, Brian, what are some of your favorite memories of him in the ring with you? I do remember one time we did a, uh, it's one of my favorite Buddy stories, is we were going to do a cage match. And uh, it was in Cloverdale, British Columbia, on a yeah. Tim show. <laughs> and I think it was, I think it was me against him and Richie Magnet. I think for some reason it was a handicap match. Maybe, maybe Sumito was my partner or something, but so... Me or me and my partner were going to win the tag titles. And so he wanted to do this deal where they were going to beat me down in this cage and he wanted me to get color. And the only time I'd ever bladed was when I didn't know what I was doing. And it was in our backyard group. And since I only knew that it was a blade, <laughs> I had gotten an exacto knife blade. Jeez. And I had cut myself. Oh my gosh. So that's my only, that's all I'd done. So now Buddy's explaining, bro, it's not an exacto knife. And so he did the old school deal where he taped up my fingers and he taped, he put the little blade in there where you push it forward 
It's like a little gimmick, and then you go like this, and then you can push it back down or whatever. And he showed me how to do it. And so he's taped my fingers. And I'm like, oh god. And so, uh, <laughs> so we're in we're in the ring, and they throw me into the cage or whatever. And he goes, all right, do it. And so I, I push this thing out, and I go. And it sounded like uh, uh, cutting cardboard. That's what I remember. And I, I look up at him and I go, did I get any? And he looks down and he goes, no, do it again. <laughs> so I panicked. And so I started going, oh, no. I just carved up my head like oh, I built no. a butcher. And I still barely got anything. Jeez. But then, you know, I'm so, you know, like my hands are shaking or whatever. And the, like this blade sticking out. So then we start doing these chop spots, and I'm chopping him, oh, and I'm slicing him up with this blade. That's Abdul the Butcher finger. style. Oh man, it was just absolutely brutal, and I got barely any, like almost no blood came out. But I, I just like scarred up my head, and then I'm slicing him up with these chops, and he comes to the back, <laughs> and his his chest it was like you actually, <laughs> but it was hey, it's bleeding all over the place. So that that's one of my favorite buddy stories when he tried to uh, get me to cut myself in a match. <laughs> but yeah, he was. All my best matches were all my best memories are just having good matches with him. Mm-hmm. I just like having good matches. And he was great and it was easy and it was, you know, all those things you hear, oh, it's a night off or whatever. I mean, it was a night off with Buddy. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, eventually, you know, one of the reasons I actually didn't ever really do a whole lot with Nick was around 2003, 2004, I mean, Buddy wasn't doing a lot and Richie wasn't doing a lot and all the guys that were left. And I was like, I don't want to have matches. I was totally spoiled. Right. And it was just depressing. And then I had a match with Vinny. God bless him. It was horrible. And I was just like, dude, I'm done with this. And yeah. I just got out and I didn't want to do anything. And, you know, 2007, 9, 10, I did some stuff here and there. But I was just like, I'm done. Because I I gotten spoiled and right. it was like I can't I don't want to go in there and no disrespect to anybody but you know you're going from Buddy and Tim and Richie Magnet and Samito and these these guys that started in the seventies and the eighties and they were so good and then you're out there with trainees and they well, hit you and and that's the thing there's like the, there's none of those territory guys no they're gone around because there's no territories yeah you know, I'm that guy now. You know, but but still working, you know, here, yeah, on top for other, you know, for whatever reasons. But like there used to be the buddies, yeah, and the Jerry Moros and and those types of guys. I mean, remember in Japan, there was a guy called Karisu, or there was a guy there, like you know, the Tarzan Goto, or these types of guys you go and learn from. But now they don't have that. So for for Nick to you be working with the Swerve Stricklands and the Ospreys, that's the new version of working with Buddy Wayne. And you miss those guys. You do. Like I, you, you, need those you guys. remind me of Buddy in a lot of ways because yeah. of what you both did around the same time. And right. you know, I I came back in 2014 for a match with Buddy, mm. and then I agreed to come back with Tom because I was offered the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. It's like here's two more guys that are <laughs> yeah. you know they're going to do point. the exact same thing, and yeah. so I I miss those days. That was that was the most fun I ever had was being in the ring with a Buddy Wayne and a Richie and a Tim. And guys like that. That was so fun. Bad News Allen. Well, I never was in the ring I'm with Bad News, me, but he was there. Work there. Yeah. yeah, he would. He yeah, was yeah. in those locker rooms. I met Bad yeah, News a thousand times. Time. And Jerry sure. Morrow was yep. another one. You know, I saw Jerry Morrow, and I miss I miss guy Buddy Rose, mm-hmm. the Colonel, Colonel De Beers, <laughs> all those all guys. those guys. Ed Ed Moretti was another one. Len I matched Denton. with Ed in Portland Wrestling. It was so <laughs> much fun. Do you have any? Uh, what are your favorite memories of your dad? The ones that I think are like the. The ones that are, still make me till this day crack up. Towards the end, he would 
still go to Canada every now and then to do shows with some of these younger Canadian guys. And once we would get there, watching these younger guys just panic, like he was saying how he would be when he was younger, just like, buddy, what do you want to do? He's like, oh, don't worry about it. <laughs> it's like 10 minutes before we go out, buddy hasn't changed yet. And these guys are just pacing back and forth. He's like, buddy, are you going to get changed? He's like, yeah, yeah, we'll get there. But just seeing these guys just like being so nervous, that's something that always like cracked me up. And he would always laugh about it too. Just like, oh, look at this guy. And he's, <laughs> do, he's working it just to make them more nervous. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Benoit used to do that with DDP all the time because DDP always wanted to go over the match and go over a spot. And Chris, I'll see you. And like, I can't find Chris Benoit. Where is he? I can't find him anywhere. And so he's, he's going to hide up in the rafters just coming yep. out five minutes before. What do you want to do? You know, that's kind of that, 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 the total confidence that you have when, you know, we got this, you don't have to call anything. I've had a few matches like that recently and it's so much more liberating and it's, you know, it's live without a net. So it's a little bit scary, but that's, that's kind of what the business is all about, you know, but it's fun. Yeah, it is fun. Yeah. Especially when you can do that, you know? So, so Nick, what are your goals and plans then? So you finish high school, you mentioned in July or June. Yes. And then you have your AW contract. So what's going to happen then? Do you have any idea? We don't have like a necessary like a plan yet, but mainly when I turn 18, I just want to still continue to wrestle like the best and continue to learn and become the best version of myself that I can. I want to always try to stay evolving in a way and always be trying to better myself. So I don't know like whenever my my prime will be, but I want to always try to feel like I'm in some type of prime, always trying to evolve in some way it's going to be huge though when, when you're 18 because i don't even know what kind of money you're going to be making or do you have to kind of go and go through all that and figure out what your contract's going to be and then that's pretty exciting stuff right yes yeah, yeah very very exciting it keeps me on my toes i'm just waiting for the day every single day i'm trying to work hard and my motivation is just thinking like 18 is coming soon it's like the next day is we're a day closer to 18 mm. are you training hard Absolutely, yes. you got great genetics. Like you said you're taller than your dad. I remember Buddy was kind of a little bit more stocky as well. Yeah, he was uh, five five, and I think early on when I first met him, he was around 190, and then for a while he was what, 225. He got pretty big. Painted on abs. And then lost <laughs> lost weight again. But, I mean, he, he had to work very hard to put that on was size. Body. Yeah, right. Because he was short. Right. And, you know, when you're when you're five five, I mean, it's it's hard. To right. do that naturally, to put on like a lot of weight, and then you know it's hard. You end up too fatter than you want. Then you've got to drop weight, mm -hmm. and then you lose a little bit of muscle, and then it was it was just like a constant thing back and forth. But luckily, your mom is six nine. <laughs> <laughs> but you got those genetics too, though, right? It's like you were created in a lab to be a, a wrestler. He yes. basically, yeah. he bas basically was. Yes. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. is what Shawn Michaels was uh, telling him. Oh, really? Six feet tall, and uh, yeah. you'll be a millionaire someday. But that's the thing, too, though. You're also, you're also very well-spoken. You know, like to, to talk for pretty much an hour about yourself is not an easy thing to do. I can do it in a second, but sure. I've been doing this for 32 years. So, I mean, that's that's another very important thing is the promos and that sort of element to it. Have you been experimenting with that as well? Very little on the indies. Very, like, uh, maybe yeah. post-match promos filmed on camera. Yeah. But, like, live, like, it's now or never. Not very much, honestly. But But it's something that I feel like I need to work on and I'd like to work on. I like to cut promos in the shower or mm -hmm. in the mirror. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's like the best practice. But I definitely feel like if I have like a, a weak point that I'd like to become stronger and it would be promos. That's the number one thing you want to work on? Yes. You know what I do is I take my phone, that little voice app, and I cut promos into that. 
Yeah. Sometimes I'm on a roll and I don't want to forget what I was saying, even to this day. So I always record in there and then listen back. Then you know, a couple hours later, oh, that was good. That was shit. That sucks. This is pretty cool. That kind of helps you to in, in, as well. Yes. You know, you gotta you gotta kind of focus on that because that's so important. Very. Is yes. The character and the promo, because uh, everybody's so athletic now. I mean, these guys mm. are doing shooting star presses the way that you know I used to do a hip toss, <laughs> but it's still the character and the connection is the number one most important thing about pro wrestling. That's my so, advice yes. to you. Yes, thank you so much. Last question for you guys. What's your favorite Buddy Wayne match you ever saw, Brian? Is the one that stands out for you or had with him? The best Buddy Wayne match I ever had? I couldn't even tell you. I mean, we didn't do the same match every time, but we did so many matches that, I mean, I, I, I couldn't. I mean, mm. there's probably about a million if you went on YouTube, if you like one better than the other, but... I mean, I, I enjoyed all of them. I can't even think of one that was bad. Really? And yeah. I can usually think of a bad match I had with somebody. But can't really, I do remember, eh, there's another story I don't talk about. <laughs> what about you? <laughs> Something that was very special, a few years ago, Brian and my dad had a match. The, the last match they had, it was very special because I knew it was like a very full circle moment for them of how many times they wrestled and the learning experience brian has had from my dad and just seeing them like come full circle and still doing it having like a 20 minute opening match on the fly it was just like such an amazing thing to see and it was yeah it was incredible to be there and being like so young and just being like wow like i grew up watching these guys like train together and they're still going <laughs> it was just such such an incredible and amazing thing that i'm glad i got to see live and i can still watch back on tape till this day how about your favorite match? You mentioned the Osprey one. Is there another one that stands out as being one of your favorites? The Osprey match for sure. And uh, my match with Swerve it was another one that was like a, a lot of moments. He taught me a lot of things about moments just like Osprey did as well. And uh, yeah, I definitely say Swerve. Exciting stuff, man. You'll be 18 in a few months. Yes, sir. And then uh, and then we'll probably be seeing you around more. So congratulations, uh, Nick, and thank you, Brian. And uh, thank you. Let's uh, remember the late Buddy Wayne as well. Go check out his stuff on YouTube and look for those drawn-on apps. <laughs> Thanks, guys.